Now on video. Rogers and Hammerstein, Cinderella. The world is full of zanies and fools. Share the love. Of a true classic. It's the fabulous fairy tale your family will enjoy forever. Disney's Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, available to own February 10th. Chapter 1. If you'd rather have some old lady in a tutu sprinkling fairy dust in your hair, then... Well, you're in the wrong place, because this is Straight to Video, 1997's Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, EP'd by Whitney Houston, and starring the all-timer Brandy. Thank you guys for coming back with us once again uh i'm tanner hadfield and i'm here with the stars of this show david mcmichael and jenny k hey guys what's up hi um there's a lot of stuff to read online in regards to this film and i i would definitely point you first of all to shonda land's 2017 oral history of the making of this film um even just like the wikipedia pages is great like check it out before you revisit this movie um also i love an oral history i think it might be my favorite form of media can we do a podcast about oral histories do you have a favorite <laughs> oral history Ooh. um there's a great one about michael jordan's flu game um the game where he had the flu is that what you mean no it was just like um how cool he was whenever he had the flu. Stop. <laughs> I try and, and ask a genuine question. <laughs> damn it. Um, <laughs> and well, no, there's also this, this one year where he had to replace Santa Claus and um, he came down all the chimney flues and Get the fuck <laughs> <laughs> no, that's part two. It's really good. Um, I love Okay, there's a whole new book that's like a whole like book length oral history about um, Days and Confused that came out this year, which is awesome. Um, that good. Yeah, uh, the Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion oral history is fantastic. There's a, there's a lot of good ones to check out. Um, but speaking of Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, um, this was quite a year for disney as it is every year um i think that we all probably feel inundated with disney content given that it's 2021 and we all subscribe to disney plus or we have somebody's password hey. and <laughs> yeah shout out to jenny um and so we have you know disney branded marvel and pixar and national geographic content in our homes at all times uh, but B Disney has been at this for a while now, you know. Um, in 1997, uh, Walt Disney Pictures produced 23 films that made it to three theaters, which is absolutely wild. Um, some of the flops you may have heard of, G.I. Jane, American Werewolf in Paris, which has Julie Delpy and, like, the worst CGI I've ever seen. Um, Mr. Magoo, Rocket Man, lots of weird stuff. 
um, That Darn Cat, which is like maybe the first Disney stoner movie. <laughs> uh, moderate successes, um, many of them uh, jungle themed. George of the Jungle, Jungle to Jungle, Gross Point Blank, which I feel like could be about the jungle. I don't know. Um, nothing to Lose. And of course, my favorite, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Um, also important to this podcast, you know, Hercules, Flubber. Hercules, notably the only Disney movie in which the princess is older than the prince. Um, shout out to Hercules. Really? By by uh by one metric. The prince or quasi is Quasimodo the prince in that? Do you think that Quasimodo is? <laughs> I don't remember that movie. Younger than. Uh, <laughs> you can't Citronella. Really, you can't tell. I don't know. Oh wait, I thought you were saying that Quasimodo is in Hercules. He is. No, no, that was Danny DeVito. <laughs> um notable oh, successes <laughs> from Disney in, in um so <laughs> I still don't understand. <laughs> Twenty-three Walt Disney pictures. Uh thirteen of them flopped financially, didn't make their budget back. Um only a few actually succeeded. Uh Flubber amongst them, Hercules among them. Obviously. And uh Percentage-wise, the biggest success of the year was Airbud, which spawned um, a lot of fantasies on my part about dog ownership. And um, Ooh, what what situation in your life would you love to have a come? Would you, <laughs> would you love to have a dog? Much whatever. <laughs> would you love to have a dog come and come. rescue you from at the last moment? <laughs> oh fuck oh here's mine i would love to have a dog (laughs) rescue me when i have uh undertaken too elaborate of uh like a cooking preparation and i'm like burning something i would love to have a dog come in and take over the preparation of that dish so it doesn't burn but but it's I would love to have a dog come rescue me when I got my period in the seventh grade and I was wearing white pants. <laughs> oh, that's your period flare. Or when I had a carry prom and I ended up really bloody at the end of the night of my prom. That would have been great to have a, a dog just drive up in a limo and rescue me. <laughs> that was the original ending for Carrie. Um, I also had no date. So test the dog well with audiences. Um, uh, and you know because there's been like 30 Airbud sequels um, amongst them Air Buddies movies in which uh, golden retriever puppies have CGI English mouths um, English that has happened mouths. yeah they speak English with CGI mouths oh <laughs> So they have mouths. They're not English mouths. <laughs> Are they not? How would you describe them? <laughs> they look like... <laughs> Disney also produced 12 straight-to-TV movies. 
in the year 1997, <laughs> scattered across multiple platforms, uh, including uh, Disney Channel and ABC, which it purchased and uh, began programming for in 1997. Um, among those movies are Under Wraps, which is the first Disney Channel original movie, um, and which I believe they're remaking right now, which is interesting because um, I don't know that kids would even know that the first one existed. Uh, but maybe it's like a nostalgia thing. Um, given that we're making this podcast, I understand. Um, other 1997 Disney straight-to-TV movies, um, The Love Bug, starring Bruce Campbell. Um, the first Wide World of Disney original movie, Toothless, starring Kirstie Alley as the Tooth Fairy. Awesome. Um, the Tower of Terror movie, based off the Tower of Terror ride with oh Steve Gutenberg. Um, and also Kirsten Dunst. Very, very little Kirsten Dunst. Uh, the Paper Brigade, which I loved. Angels in the End Zone, the, I, I guess, like Joey Lawrence sequel to Angels in the Outfield. As if that wasn't obvious. And the third original Wide World of Disney TV movie, Cinderella, a $12 million affair and. Um, what Michael Eisner and many others would consider the real, like, world premiere of the wide world of Disney. Chapter 2. Any questions? I don't have as many questions about this movie as I usually have about movies that we're podcasting about. Because I think it was all... I mean, this the story is tried and true, you know? But it's... I mean, an oft-told tale... I mean, this is just like one of the archetypal stories. Um, but I think uh, with that said, um, or, or with that in mind, I think one of my questions is about this movie as it relates to other tellings of Cinderella. Um, and my question for you is, is a leading one. <laughs> but But do you think that this is the most um sympathetic portrayal of cinderella's step family of the cinderella adaptations you can think of i can really only think so there's the animated one um i feel like ella ella enchanted i'm trying to remember her stepsisters in that i do i did think this this turn this time around watching it I was like, oh, her stepmother is just, she's a woman in mourning, mm-hmm. you know, because she talks about when she's praying to her, her, you know, dead father about like how the stepmother has changed and she's not the same anymore. And so oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder if his death kind of triggered something in her. Um, yeah. And she clearly is like just desperate for her daughters to marry off and she sings that whole song about falling yeah, in that... love is like for ding dongs and <laughs> right. um was that one line uh, learning to trust is just for children in school <laughs> yeah i thought that song was so um it was like very humanizing i mean it doesn't go to the extent of some of the kind of like reverse Disney movies that where the 
uh, it's not like Maleficent or something like where the villain becomes the hero out outright, but it's um, it does give her kind of like a humanity and like a reason for being angry and bitter, um, you know, in a way that she delivers in kind of a um, indirect fashion to her stepdaughters. But um, but I thought that song, and then I I loved after um, after Cinderella gets home from the ball and she's you know just like spinning this yarn about how enchanting the ball was and her two stepsisters are um like they they adore her like they are just they're both like wanting to dance with her they're like please like keep telling us this story um and i don't know i just loved that i mean they were still you know they're still mean and cruel to her but there was um you know the story gives you enough of the other side of that that i think both ways that they treat her like land and it's more meaningful like Mm -hmm. when they're cruel it hurts more and when they're kind you're like wow there's you know there is like humanity between these figures Mm -hmm. um and my other question is uh do you think you could successfully navigate a gigantic choreographed dance number holding a five layer cake (laughs) (laughs) Jason Alexander. <laughs> what do you think that cake was made out of? Paper. <laughs> Cardboard. <laughs> I love that all the food, like in the very beginning sequence, we see someone pick up the fakest looking lobster I've ever seen. Like all the food <laughs> looks so fake, <laughs> which is great. I uh, feel like the cake dancing scene was like half of the movie. <laughs> This movie is like 75 minutes long and the cake dancing part is like 35 minutes. (laughs) Man, it was great. I love, I was saying earlier, the, um, uh, like the two characters before they meet, um, kind of singing in tandem, I think is a great musical trope. And then I think, I mean, I'm sure like, this is just one of the things about musicals and why they've been such a huge part of the cinematic form, you know, since it started, but it's just there's something about a gigantic choreographed musical number that puts something on screen in a movie that really isn't accessible any other way i think um just like that many people moving together um like the motion and color and energy that you get from a huge dance number is just unparalleled and i think the two the two really big numbers in this one the the food one from the beginning and then the the dance number at the ball i just thought were spectacular they're so good it wasn't until this movie that i realized why cinderella is named cinderella <laughs> i i also don't know if that was ever described in any of the previous films but at least in this movie where she's saying it's like that's because she likes to sit by the fire and the embers when the embers fly and her face gets all smudged Mm -hmm. that's why she's cinder ella (laughs) i was like (laughs) that was what weirdest line of the movie (laughs) is that i don't feel like anybody cares why her name is cinderella i didn't until she explained it and then i was disappointed (laughs) (laughs) She's like, it grows on you, I guess. <laughs> um, I have a question about Jason Alexander's accent. And that is, um, yes. where is it? What is it supposed to be? 
I don't know because it's like he makes George noises and then he talks in a like Old Navia accent. <laughs> oh my god, he's definitely from Old Navia. <laughs> this I can't imagine watching this as an adult because when this came out, I hadn't seen Seinfeld. I was just a kid. But this aired during the last season of Seinfeld between episodes five and six. Um, between the, the Merv Griffin episode and the one in which George's parents cut him off. Um, and Jason Alexander was originally um, more of like a stage talent um, who just became the unlikeliest TV star <laughs> of all time, I think. Um, it's just hard to imagine him in that context. Was this before or after Dunstan checks in? Probably before. Did y'all see that movie? Yeah. I watched that at, on one of my or... birthdays. <laughs> I love After movie. Dunstan. Um, yeah. <laughs> before after Dunstan. There's so many jungle movies during this time period. I don't I don't know. I have a question. I know we often are trying to be like, what's everyone's job? Where is this filmed? What you know? Where where would you say if this was like in America? I guess maybe it doesn't have they're not they're all from everywhere, but where would you say this is? If you had to guess. In America? No, no, no. Just anywhere. We only really get two environments or three or two external environments. We get the little town square and then mm-hmm. their sick ass house. Well, outside their house, it looks like the Wizard of Oz soundstage. That is where they filmed it. Wait, really? Yeah, the MGM soundstage, which is oh, where fuck. Wizard of Oz was filmed. So, um, there you go, maybe. I would say otherwise, it's in, like, Gustav Klimt's wet dream. <laughs> um, it's like the cabinet of... Dr. Caligari, directed by Gustav Klimt. That's my answer. Is that in America? I don't think so. But now I'm thinking about what they all do for money, but I'm thinking maybe money doesn't exist in this movie. Do you think that maybe it takes place... So, if you'll remember, um, Marie Antoinette had her own fake village built. So that the, she could go and pretend to be a commoner in the fake village. <gasps> like Barbara Streisand and how she has the underground mall at her house. Egg fucking exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. So like maybe this is in the prince's imaginary village. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That is exactly what it is. Wow. So much for no character development. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he's so he's really I mean so he's in charge of I mean, he's just like feeding them all lines like are all of them all just doing what he wants them to do even when he's not around I mean I guess that's what happens when you're a prince I think that's plausible mm. I don't know I what think other... it's maybe it's whoop, it's Whoopi's underground world she seems to be in charge here but she's so often speechless her squeaks are my favorite. It's... Oh, my God. <laughs> I loved that. What do you think it Holy said in the shit. script? 
<laughs> Maybe it just said Whoopi and choose um Whoopi's choice. What she just put was <laughs> Whatever comes out of Whoopi. <laughs> I I have a lot I mean, I feel like this is just a question for Cinderella always is the whole shoe thing. It's really loose, you know. Um like at one point, first of all, the shoe was in several different sizes. It looked like it was a size like four, like it was a toddler's size shoe. <laughs> but then, you know, when it when it seems like it fits the stepmother and she makes a big thing and he the prince starts freaking out because he's like, no way. And I'm like, you they she looks absolutely <laughs> nothing like Brandy. <laughs> and she was also there the same like. That whole part, I know we're supposed to supposed to suspend his belief, but it's lazy. It's la- lazy fairy tale writing that this man could only find this woman based off of her foot size. I mean, they live in a town of like two hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and no one has the same size shoe. <laughs> Just <laughs> drives me crazy. Ugh, can you imagine yeah. what a glass last, slipper, like, how sweaty it is? are the most pointless part. I, It just kind of, it's just like, oh, yeah, I know how this goes, and it just ends. Right. It's really all about the Whitney, Houston, Brandy. That's mm-hmm. the relationship that I'm invested in. Mm-hmm. The Brandy branding. <laughs> yes. Why wasn't there more of that? I mean, I know that that's, the tale is written, but damn. I know it I was, feels like not enough based off of all the like hubbubaloo of getting Whitney involved and then they ran out of money. That's why uh, they only CGI'd half her body most of the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and replaced the rest with the little twister symbols. <laughs> what are those symbols? I feel like we should pause it and there may be like hieroglyphs and weird you know how people are always like, There's hidden messages in Disney movies and it's all dicks. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh huh. I bet there's I bet there's some dicks in there. Were they wingdings? Yo, they were probably wingdings. <laughs> wingdings strikes again. Holy shit! It just said impossible and wingdings over and over. <laughs> oh boy. Also, Whitney in this is six hundred years old. That's just a little fact for me to you. Oh yeah. That's old. She she can't do the spell the first time. Yeah, that was that was a funny detail. She just, I mean, for some reason she can't do it the first time, but then after that she's you know omnipotent and makes no mistakes. But I guess they needed to humanize her, you know. What like do you think she she's makes... been doing for the last six hundred years? <laughs> just turning mice into boyfriends. <laughs> I don't know. Is she is she other people's fairy godmother? She has to be. It's not like Brandy's six hundred years old. I mean, her vibe when she shows up is like, uh, yeah, I'm a fairy godmother. Duh. I mean, right? And Brandy's like, oh my bad, yeah, totally. Thank like you. it seems like fairy godmothers are a normal occurrence. <laughs> In this world. It's like an Aladdin with the genie. You know, he'd been chilling in that lamp forever. And yeah. he, had, he had to dust off his chops. Oh. I guess, I mean, if she does have that, 
when she first arrives, she's doing the rhyming too. And like, you'd think that if she was a, you know, if she was a like professional fairy godmother, she'd have kind of a spiel down that she would give like when she showed up. But, but she was like making up rhymes and, and being like, Hey, don't judge me. It's hard to make up rhymes on the spot, (laughs) even though she's been doing it for 600 years. It's also probably why she made um, shoes out of glass instead of what uh-huh. they are made out of in modern day i don't know <laughs> she's out of touch That's, a little bit that makes a lot of sense yeah I, it's the only way i can describe the shoes being made out of actual glass <laughs> it's just so dangerous i have a question i don't okay do do i love you all because you're beautiful or are you beautiful because <laughs> i love you Someone explain this whole concept to me because I don't get it. Am I thinking about it too hard? I think it's used multiple ways in the movie. I mean, mainly like um, beautiful or wonderful, but it's that same structure. Oh, yeah. I mean, like different people trot that line out like um, uh, the prince and um, and Cinderella say it to each other when they're singing. But then Whoopi also says it or sings it to the prince as like a caution. It seems like when they're saying it to each other, it's kind of like a, I don't know what they mean by it. I think but they're I think all Whoopi, still. I think it's like a Hakuna Matata. <laughs> no worries. I, I don't know. I, I think in both cases, they're like, you know, in most of the movies that we have done, that involve romance on this podcast the the couple falls in love after a couple days maybe hours moments moments (laughs) and this is really the first time where they're like questioning it like they had one dance and he's like do you marry me (laughs) um it's too quick (laughs) yeah and they're both like i don't trust myself and i think they were asking themselves like i don't trust myself but but I keep being like, do I love you because you're beautiful? Or is it like, I just love you, and so you seem beautiful to me, but you're actually not beautiful <laughs> or wonderful? And that's Whoopi also being like, are you sure about her being wonderful and beautiful? Or do you just love her and you're like, that was really confusing. And I was like, am I doing this? Am I doing love all wrong? <laughs> am I asking myself the wrong questions? Yeah, I guess maybe it's the like the delivery when they're singing it to each other. I mean, because they're they're just you know completely doe-eyed. I mean, they're they're so wrapped up in each other, and then Whoopi has like a little bit of distance from the moment. It feels different, but I think you're right. I think they are saying the same thing in each of those moments. Maybe this is a straight to streaming thing. We had remember in um, uh, Christmas Prince. We had a kind of battle of the help subplot. Um, and in this movie, too, they use they use Lionel like the help as the butt of, I mean, quite a few jokes where he like falls off the ladder and they just laugh at him because he's like their servant and he fell. And, and there's a moment where the prince is like... Um, where Cinderella is like, you want someone to be your servant forever. And the prince says, 
he's like no i already have servants i need someone i can talk to <laughs> and then um and then at Ooh. the i think at the dance um lionel gets tired from dancing with the stepmother and he falls and is just laying face down on the ground and the king and queen are walking by and the queen says who is that and the king says lionel darling and she says oh and they just walk away <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, just leave him there laying on the floor and uh classic george like i laughed but i felt bad about it i don't understand i guess my question i don't know it's not like why does he deserve better yes yeah why do they play why do they play that for laughs we should be in uh we should be in class solidarity with with george right that was too much for 1997 yeah we needed you know yeah i don't know but you did just remind me of a a troubling moment when when um brandy is asking when cinderella is asking the prince like oh do you want a servant like she thinks that that's what being a partner is that's what being a princess or a wife is is being a servant she asked it in a way that made me think that that's what her perception was. I mean, I guess she did say she's sheltered. She said she doesn't really know much about hats at one point. So, I don't know. <laughs> Chapter three. How could I have been in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> oh, magic man for life. Oh, swamp man. So what <laughs> line of dialogue in this movie is the most straight to streaming? I'll prevent a or prevent mm, (laughs) i'll present a couple options for you which i feel like um represent the two poles of a straight to streaming movie the first being you're not like other girls are you i wrote that one down too by the prince of course like you just you just have to get that out there to like Mm -hmm. check the box of like annoying but part of it uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's what the box is called <laughs> annoying but part of it is it in yeah. the um what's the venn diagram a suspicious suspicious venn diagram, venn diagram. <laughs> annoying but part of it <laughs> and in the middle you're not like other girls are you <laughs> oh my god oh my god so that's like the one pole is just like checking the boxes. The other pole is like inserting um kind of a postmodern slant, I feel like, or like a wink. Um and of course that has to be when Whitney Houston shows up and is like, Oh hey, I'm Whitney Houston. I'm in <laughs> charge. I'm your fairy godmother, honey. It's like that's a it's like when when someone famous like walks onto a, a live audience sitcom and the whole audience cheers, like not because of who they are in the sitcom, but just because they're famous and they recognize them. Exactly. It's that mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah, I love those. Um, I've got, let's see. One of mine is a, my favorite one-two punch of the whole movie, which is... Um, uh, when they're at when they just arrived to the ball when the stepsisters arrive to the ball and Natalie Dizelle, um is on the stairs 
Oh and God. I mean, everyone is being so prim and proper. And then she just screams out. <laughs> she says, I want a chance at him. <laughs> and then, and then she goes down and is dancing with him and she's like reciting, um, her poem and, uh, and the prince is looking at her weird and she's like, it's poetry. <laughs> I love this. And I mean, of course, her delivery is just is like spiky. It's so good. And it's so um, it just feels I mean, it feels so right, but also like outside of the ba- bounds of the movie that we've been watching this whole time. Um, it's like jarring, but in a way that I found so fun. Um my other uh, straight to streaming line, um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm bending this a little bit. This is an exchange, but I thought this was great. Um, it's the the king and queen talking to each other um, when Brandy shows up to the ball. Oh, no. And the king says... No. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> the king says, if I were... He, he kind of, like, grunts. <laughs> yeah it's, it's so inappropriate he says oh if i were a young man i'd be and then Whoopi looks at him and says yes dear and he says he catches himself and says well i'd be younger wouldn't i <laughs> and she says yes dear can you yeah. finti- finish that first sentence for me what was he gonna say like I if, mean, was he gonna say I'd be horny? <laughs> because yeah. he's, he's still probably would be horny. like I'd be all all upon that. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something extremely inappropriate. That's what got him I mean, the the gross role in Legally Blonde. I bet he just played that scene. Oh from yeah, Cinderella. he just mm-hmm. stepped out of this costume into that one. Uh-huh. I like when That's he not also what you want to hear from Daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks, um, which also makes sense that he then says um, at some point, "I've never had to be ashamed of anything in my entire life. I'm surely not going to start now." Yeah, that was a damn proclamation. <laughs> I know that is a moral, a moral statement. I do feel like this film is so self-aware that it's kind of hard to find a quote straight to streaming line because mm-hmm. everybody is like they're like we're singing these lines like they were thought out um so it is really all about delivery which speaking of bernadette uh peter's delivery when she's trying to seduce um jason alexander (laughs) outside of the ball and i i don't think i can even do it but she's like (laughs) going to have the honor of dancing with you She just inserts so many letters into both those words and breaths. <laughs> and then she says that she's trying to compliment and she's like, that wonderfully full head of skin. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. I took, I took screenshots of those moments where she's looking at him and then touching his head. And, and says that wonderfully full head of skin. Did you get oh that? My God. Please. That's so good. Yeah. She says a lot of wise shit. She's like, remember, girls. We hide our flaws until after the wedding. <laughs> I love that because and she pauses in the middle and it's like a call and a response and they all repeat with her. Yes. 
And uh, she's kind it. of a feminist. Can she's we just make like, that men can't stand. Toast. Yes. <laughs> we should toast to that every time. <laughs> I would toast to that. <laughs> Let's toast to it right now. I have a drink. Do you guys have a drink? Yeah, I do. Okay. Remember, girls. We hide our flaws. <laughs> you have to say it with me. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> God damn it. No, 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 start again. Okay. <clears throat> Remember, girls, we, we hide, hide our, our flaws, flaws until, until after, yeah. the after the wedding. wedding. After the wedding. <laughs> chin chin. Wow. We're made for Broadway. Broadway. <laughs> Man, I might throw my hat in for a full head of skin. I, <laughs> I remember feeling so gross when that happened. It's definitely the, it's on paper the weirdest line. Yeah. And in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I also liked how long um, the guy's name is when Jason Alexander sings that whole song about his name. I don't, that's not really a quote, but I just remember that right now. It's like Chris, Christopher Rupert. Dun, 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 dun. And then he, there's all these names. Vladimir. Or is he saying Carl Alexander? <laughs> Francois Reginald. <laughs> Lancelot Herman. Herman? Gregory James. <laughs> Precisely. And then, yeah. and then at the end of the song, when he's saying his whole name, but also splicing all the food in 4,000 oranges? Yeah, that's a lot of oranges. Yeah. And then he's still like, we needed more food. (laughs) (laughs) Always. If what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. Now, this is going to be a hard category this time around. Um, But the Straight to Streeping Award. Given that we have so many stars, it's it's a night of too many stars in some senses. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Who gives the most straight to streeping performance in this movie? Oh, my, this is truly, sorry, Whitney, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I want to say Whitney because star power, and obviously she lights up the screen literally with wingdings every with time wingdings. she's on the screen. <laughs> yeah. But I also I... really loved. I loved Natalie DeSalle in this. I feel like, mm. her, especially like her sing acting was her and I forgot who played the step. I loved them together. That was they were they were great. A really interesting pairing that worked so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, when they're balancing uh, the books on their heads. Uh, I love their song by the fountain when they're watching her and just complimenting her. That was my favorite song oh of the God. movie. It's so good. Why would a fellow want a girl like her? What did she say? Why she's like, like yes, I love. Like I want to listen to her. You're right a now. puffy feather. What, what was the? F- oh yeah, a puffy. I think they call her a puffy feather. Oh a, my God! A I neck was just like a swan. up for that whole song. I loved it. And just how they performed it, so nasally. Ugh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that about musicals too. Like the, um, <laughs> I don't know, just just like really infusing someone's song voice with their 
like characteristics like the just the kind of shrill nasally way that they sing i thought was wonderful i just watched um mama mia for the first time a few nights ago oh my and God. uh i was thinking about that with that one as well man mama mia is great i was surprised at how much i love that movie <laughs> Duh. <laughs> i know i knew i would like it but i didn't think i would like it that much but um pierce I, i've heard people talk about pierce brosnan singing in that movie before and so i was excited to see it for myself and <laughs> i love that he his singing he's like being so like soulful and cool mm-hmm. but his voice really matches it he like makes that work and i, I feel like I don't know. David, this love... is not the movie. We're not talking about Mamma Mia right now. <laughs> oh, sh- yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I got lost. I got lost with Pierce. It happens. My okay. um, my candidate, uh, I think, I yeah, I had a hard time choosing between Natalie DeSalle and um, Bernadette Peters. Um, I oh, think man. I think ultimately I have to go with Bernadette. Mm-hmm. Um because i i loved her um i thought that she like genuinely displayed some range in this movie i mean she goes from just like catty evil stepmother um you know kind of like chewing on that um and giving a really like you know extravagant over the top performance to um like genuine pointed cruelty like dead-eye cruelty when she's um you know telling cinderella that she's common she's like he would never uh you know he would never go for you like you are common and i was just watching her eyes and she's just got these like flat dead black cruel eyes in that scene and um i think based on like the spectrum alone of the of what she displays i gotta go with her as my choice yeah that's a really well, good argument i changed yeah. my answer oh did you what, what's your answer now well it was natalie to sell but i do feel like if they if they gave natalie more to work with she also could have delivered on that you mm-hmm. know I, but now i kind of want to say bernadette we do get to see more range with her and she kills it you're right. Well, I'm happy to settle this argument for you guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you'd like. Please do. Yeah, please. Um, yeah no, I mean, the, the answer is Whoopi. Oh, God. You mm. know, you're yeah. right. Okay, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> you're right, too. Doesn't even have to speak English words. That's, she acts with sound. <laughs> to dominate the screen. Uh, <laughs> Whoopi yeah. is literally speechless for half the movie, and... <laughs> dominates the screen you're so right. incredible yeah. fucking uh whoopee she's so good at whoopee this. is which is what i hope to channel for the rest of my life remember uh, we were gonna do a whoopee month or i tried i don't know mm-hmm. we never oh, got yeah. there yeah i mean whoopee the 90s were complicated i mean like this year, the previous year, she basically like starred in like four like theater motion pictures per year. And the next gen. Um, she was such an asset. Yeah. And nothing like r- super took off. Um, what about Sister Act? Yeah, that was like 91. Mm. 
Um, but this is like the year. No, this is like two years after her buddy movie with a T Rex. Oh my god! Um, what was it? What she was color in a, purple? She was in a movie directed by Christopher Reeves, who we've talked about. Hmm. Um, she was in a lot of weird stuff. The Associate was like pretty good. Um, Ghost. That was that was nineteen ninety. <laughs> Like <laughs> this is ninety seven, and I she's know. I don't know she's kind of taking some L's, um, but truly one of the most talented screen presences of all time. Yeah, yeah. you win. You're right. You settled it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> undisputable. Okay. Um. Next up, next award, the guess who's coming to dinner award. Which character or element from the movie, you know, up to you guys, uh, are you bringing to this movie from, uh, oh, what do you bring into Friendsgiving dinner? I mean, fucking Whitney Houston, right? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be Whitney. Like a magic Whitney? Any Whitney, but ideally magic Whitney. Cause then she could start a fire she can make a pumpkin. <laughs> she can dress me. <laughs> I mean, just gas everyone up. Oh my god, I would love to get a makeover from Whitney Houston. Jesus, seriously. Can you imagine? Oh, making pumpkins would be useful for Thanksgiving. Exactly. She could take our leftover pumpkins and drive us home in them like an <laughs> Uber. <laughs> I think that my vote is for Brandy. Um, she is the least weird person in this movie by far. <laughs> the Certainly the most appropriate persona for a uh, 2021 Friendsgiving. <laughs> uh, in, like, uh, Earth America. Sure. Um, also, I... I just, like, I want to hear her talk or sing constantly. Her voice is... Oh, yeah. Unearthly. Like, her voice turns any song into a Christmas song. Christmas? And, yeah, to me, well, Thanksgiving is all about the beginning of Christmas. <laughs> you know? uh, is it the rasp? <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like snow falling on cedars. Like, it's <laughs> truly, truly, like, I don't know. Is it <laughs> it's amazing. I love her voice. We need to pick a movie next time that we don't love so much, I think. <laughs> I think we've loved the last two movies too much. <laughs> They've both been really good. I really like... But I think my favorite part of her song is when she's singing about being a huntress. And she's talking about how much yes. fun hunting is. <laughs> she talks about all the different badasses that she could be. Yeah. She uses the broom as a gun and kind of like stalks through the house. That scene is smooth. She's got such an imagination. Yeah. She would just be chill. But Whitney be rowdy. Fun. Depends on what kind of vibe you want. All right. Uh, No one's bringing Victor. Wait, who did you pick, David? Jason Alexander? (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that Jason Alexander would be the most pumped to come to that. I mean, I'm tagging along Jenny to yours with Whitney. Okay, we both got Whitney. I I guess you can come to my Thanksgiving. Yeah. Sorry, Tanner, go ahead. Well, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Um, alone with Brandy. (laughs) Agree to disagree. Uh, the last award of the evening is retail therapy. Um, Straight to video. You know, um, hyper real be shopping. So, what's your one piece of dream merch from this movie? I'll go first. I really would love to have the king's gold chess set. Um, Man, that was a that was a nice piece of merchandise. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, it would just really elevate. I think it would elevate any any location that it was set in. You know, it really mm-hmm. it's like a palatial. It would like bring some palatial vibes. Wow. Palatial vibes. Is that the name of your debut album? Your vaporwave <laughs> album, palatial vibes. <laughs> I mean, I think it has to be. Um, my man, I think my dream merch from this movie would be um, <coughs> the prince's tux from either the ball or his wedding. I'm not sure which one I liked better, but I just thought his outfits were so good. Just kind of like like vinyl e almost with like the gold what do you call it filigree uh-huh. um like kind of yeah. gold designs and oh it's so nice i would Beautiful. love to wear those clothes i can see you in that yeah i would go places in that tux mm. i would mm-hmm. be successful you'd achieve yeah i i think i would like to take a ride on a pumpkin car with Boy, some mice nice. men, mice twins. Just a loop around. Go get some P. Terry's. <laughs> Man, P. Terry's in a pumpkin. Do you think the inside of the pumpkin is like sticky? Nah. When he carved that shit out, let it out to dry, put wallpaper in it, dipped in gold. Oh. Okay. It's done up. But it is funny to think about her getting in there and it's just stringy <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> and fucking seeds everywhere. The slime. <laughs> That's what do happens. Do you think those mice liked being turned into men? Who just suddenly knew how to like ride, lead a carriage. Yeah. Um, they probably it had a me- really wild time when they got turned back into mice. Man, yeah, they had some stories to tell to their mice friends. I would like to be turned into a mouse. You want to be turned um, into a mouse? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to empathize. Reverse empathize. It's like that because... movie, The Witches, where oh. the kid gets turned into a mouse and spends most of the movie that way. That's what we got to do on this. I mean, but I love that's another one I love too much. Never mind. Yeah. Directed by Nicholas Rogue. 
Truly, yeah. Um, Angelica Houston. Yeah, he say. directed Walkabout. He also directed Crawlabout. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't you love to be really small and to be able to fit into small places and hide? Most small places are really dirty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can I quote you on that? <laughs> I'm, I'm writing that down. Stop. <laughs> Most small places are really dirty, Jenny K. Just think I about love... a small place. <laughs> I love a proclamation. <laughs> I, um... I can't disagree. <laughs> We need to have a, a proclamation quota for each podcast. We, <laughs> damn, that's that's really good. Uh, thank you for saying that. Well, it's cool. how I feel. <laughs> um, I had to I had to give an honorable mention to one more piece of merch, which was the uh, double swan fountain that they oh, dance around yeah. in the courtyard. I thought, man, I would really like to have one of those in my yard. I think that's it's it's just a nice a nice piece of uh, architecture. What do you think the water bill is on one of those guys? Mm. Well, they don't have money there, so <laughs> oh, right. Probably just like the labor, the labor of a surf. I feel like they pay, yeah, <laughs> in in chores <laughs> and oranges because they seem to have thousands. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, that was uh, that was some good merch, you guys. Um, all right, hyper real. Uh, spring summer 2021 um, a chess set a sticky carriage <laughs> a I wish we still had events that we could double. roll up to in a sticky carriage oh boy oh wouldn't you we could make a fucking double swan fountain oh in our sleep oh boy yeah yeah, yeah. chapter yeah. four alright well it is time for the final and also last chapter of the night chapter four final and last yeah let's play some games um let's play 23 and me it's a uh, number one hyper realer game this is the game in which each of us will propose two films that this film is indebted to and then we will vote to determine the lineage of the movie Precisely how they determine, you know, um, human lineage. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'll go first. It's a votes game. <laughs> no, man. Um, so number one has got to be the bodyguard for me, which is... Yes. <laughs> The body god. <laughs> the body god. <laughs> the body god. <laughs> the ghoul. The ghoul body god. Uh, the bodyguard. Uh, nineteen ninety two. I just really. Can you talk like that the rest of the time? <laughs> it was one of the most fun. Oh I what? Christopher Walken just Christopher came Walken, in. Yeah. <laughs> The bodyguard was um. No, everyone's, uh, everyone's gone. The, that's that's Lionel. Huh? The uh, the most <laughs> financially successful movie of 1992, and 
solidified Whitney Houston as a screen star for all time, as well as a stage star, which she had previously been. And I really think that movie gave her the cachet to create this film. Um, like we talked about earlier, um, you know, the, the Bette Midler straight to TV movie was like 93. Um, and that's kind of uh, the infancy of the plans for this movie. And it was a no brainer because of the cachet that Whitney brought because of the financial success of the bodyguard, which is, is a great movie. Uh, I highly recommend. And my second pick would be the wizard of Oz. Also, like we talked about earlier, um, the MGM stages, I mean, directly ripped off, if not precisely used, um, I couldn't help thinking, uh, wow, is this going to get weird? Uh, I couldn't help but think of uh, the urban legend of like the person who hung themselves in the scary forest when we were looking at the uh, like super art deco house out uh, that Bernadette Peters lived in. Mm-hmm. Did you guys think about that? No, I can't say I did, but now I am. Thank you. I think... Man, that's one of those urban legends that has like urban legends stacked on top of it. I, I think the urban legend that I heard in response to that urban legend. <laughs> what? Is that, <laughs> is that it wasn't someone that hung themselves, but it was an ostrich that wandered over from the Dr. Doolittle stage that was shooting at the at the next like warehouse over that was like doing some weird thing with its neck. What? Wait, Dr. Doolittle came out in 2020. <laughs> You mean like the Is it is original? a time traveling ostrich. Oh, okay. Are you talking about the Eddie Murphy Doctor Dude Little? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that still happened later because that was during Xenon, I thought. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, this is unhinged now. <laughs> it was it was Xenon. Um Man. Hmm. Well, that'll, Make that'll sure be to listen our... to our other podcasts. Slowly unraveling. We should not be drinking right now. Is that wait? Did you just give one? Yeah, David. Do you want to forgo your second pick? Yeah, you lose your second pick from that. Wait, why am I... I haven't picked any picks. I thought you picked the ostrich. <laughs> the ostrich yeah. is not one of my 23 me picks. <laughs> no, I have two great picks. Uh-huh. David, I love. have you down for the ostrich <laughs> for both picks. <laughs> well, I don't want the ostrich for either of my picks. Okay, what um, are your picks, David? Oh, I should say my picks. Um... <laughs> All right, my first pick is Carmen Jones, um, the 1954 musical starring uh, Dorothy Dandridge and Harry Belafonte. Truly incredible movie. Mm. Wow. It is, uh, I mean, a few connections to this movie. Um, The movie was adapted from a stage adaptation of Carmen Jones that was put on by uh, Hammerstein of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Um, 
I think, um, you know, some of the, uh, uh, like kind of, you know, racial firsts, um, parallel from this movie, like, um, Dorothy Dandridge was the first black woman nominated for a uh, best actress Oscar, um, Whoa. based on her performance in this movie. And, you know, of course, Cinderella, there's a lot, um, uh, like people talk a lot about, uh, Brandy being the first black woman to portray Cinderella on screen. Um, I mean, of course it is absurd that these firsts have to happen so late, um, you know, in the history of cinema, but we celebrate them when we see them, of course. Um, also the, I mean, I just think a lot of the like musical elements of this and the choreography, um, uh, Carmen Jones is just, um, trailblazer. Um, the, my other movie, um, my second ostrich pick is, uh, uh, BAPS, uh, the 1997 movie directed by Robert Townsend, um, starring, uh, Halle Berry and Natalie Dazelle, who is also in this movie, of course. Um, um, a few elements from this. I think the, uh, I think that the camp, um, of these two movies was very, uh, there's a lot of cross pollination, um. I, I loved like the camp elements of the Cinderella movie. I thought a lot of the costumes and uh, the sets were just so uh, like joyful and extravagant and didn't really, um, they weren't really s- serving like a, an engineered purpose in in the way I feel like some of the sets and costumes do in like Xenon, for instance. Um, it's not too it feels i don't know it feels like more spontaneous more joyful more like um i don't know it can't be i guess to me um but the other reason that i picked this one um is uh whitney houston was in 91 was almost in a robert townsend uh movie the the five heartbeats which is a musical that robert townsend put out and so they they met and were in talks um, to do a movie together. So um, there's some you know uh, like creative energy shared between Robert Townsend and Whitney Houston, which I just thought was I don't know I would have loved to see them work together. I think that would be just a truly magical product. Um, but those are my two picks: Carmen Jones and Baps. And listen to Graham Cumberbatch's episode podcast, Black is Not a Genre, where he covers camp and BAPS, which you can find yes. on our website. Thank you for saying that. That is absolutely uh, what turned me on to BAPS. Um, I had not heard of that movie before, and I watched it because of Graham's podcast about that, and I, I loved that movie. Natalie Dizelle had a f- fucking run in the 90s. Like, she was in, like, set it off mm-hmm. first of all whoa uh how to be a player also hilarious um one of those movies that you just think about forever um some real like landmark comedies from the 90s for sure um i'm going off script for my two because as you both know i did not prepare and so um going off the cuff here a little bit my first pick is not a film it is a show. It is Star Trek The Next Generation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm picking it not only because of Whoopi's involvement in the show, but also because it's like a mainstream made for TV production that I find very campy. I find the props and the set design to feel very similar in a space way to this where everything feels kind of fake um and you can just like hear the foam uh (laughs) and it's also like a a fairly multicultural cast um in a way that's presented as like it's not heavy-handed and not necessarily always really discussed it's just like that's the nature they can get away with it because it's set in like the future in this fairy tale land. Um, and my second pick is not a piece of media at all, but it is Barbra Streisand's Underground Mall. Um, <laughs> and if you're not familiar, Barbra Streisand built an entire shopping mall beneath her home in Malibu, California. It resembles, there's cobblestone streets. It honestly resembles the town <laughs> that is in this film. Um, and she probably goes down there and there's people that probably live down there full time that are just meant to be commoners that fulfill her every fantasy of him. Just mall gremlins. Yes. She's employed several mall gremlins that switch out every six months. What stores do you think are in her mall? I like to think that there's some like a store called like the Cheshire Cat, you know, like it's mm. that sells like yarn. But then there's also like Chanel. Like coastal I'd like cookies. Yes, coastal cook. There's probably an there's probably an Auntie Annie's or whatever because that's <laughs> like in every mall. Um, and maybe like a Dippin' Dots. I don't know if she has a food court, but I. <laughs> it's a very like food themed mall. Yes, it's a big theme. Well, the Cheshire, yeah, yeah. I think she has like a Lens Crafters. <laughs> <laughs> she probably also has like um, uh, maybe like a Hot Topic or something for like one of the kids in her family. Like there has to be one shop, for, like a Spencer's Gifts, for them. Maybe like one of those kiosks where the person's always like flying a. Or like a remote control helicopter around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Or like a mattress store. She'll just take a nap in during the day. Test out different mattresses. That's a nice image. Jenny, did you ever work at the mall? I did work at the mall. Twice. Um, you went back? <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was during summer's. Um, so I never worked for longer than get a summer. Out of the mall. <laughs> Godfather. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do remember both times quitting um, during my lunch break. I would be sitting in the food court. Well, one time specifically, I remembered because I was working on American Eagle, and I was sitting and I was eating pudding in the food court. And I remember looking down at the pudding and being like, "Fuck my life!" And I just went quick. <laughs> I was too old to work there at that time, and I just Whoa. felt wrong, and I hated it. <laughs> you had to sell. If you had a customer try something on, you had to go up to them and all in there. Mind you, they are in the dressing room, and you had to offer them mm. a like item 
two risk items, ask for their jean size, bring them a pair of jeans and potentially a pair of shoes. Oh, oh sorry. To... This was not an American Eagle. It was a buckle. That's why I had to do a buckle. Yeah. It was a buckle? Yeah, it was a fucking buckle. That's too many things. And there, you just had to know all this like jean terminology for like shitty like jean whiskers and stuff. Oh, God. I don't know. Jean whiskers? I don't remember. You know, what is jean whiskers? You know, it looks like whiskers. It's like the fades. It's the like fades, the, yeah. the light colored lines of <laughs> oh. jeans. But wow, can you I imagine the embarrassment? Like you are trying on a tea, a simple tea, and someone, uh-huh. some person comes up with an armful of other items for you to try on that you did not want. <laughs> you had passed by. And then I have to slump away when you inevitably say no thank you and go hang everything back up again. Users also bought <laughs> whisker jeans. <laughs> Fucking nightmare. And you get written Whoa. up if you didn't do it. Oh my god, that was the pudding quit. Oh man, I I worked at Old Navy. That was my very first job, and um, people, <laughs> I got made fun of for being a Christian. How <laughs> do the they know? <laughs> I don't know. Someone just guessed, and I like just like looked at them silently, and then everyone made fun of me for it. And it was it was Wait, so funny. But it's Old Navy. I thought there or was shopping there. <laughs> Oh, no, my coworkers. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, it was the only time that ever happened to me. And I, you know, you always like hear about that. And I'm like, man, it's I'm gonna, I'm get, it's going to happen to me eventually. But it only did once at Old Navy. They what, getting bullied you. or just getting bullied for your religion? <laughs> um, specifically a religious bullying. That's probably why I, sh- I stopped being a Christian. <laughs> I just like of all places, Old Navy seems like the most accepting of your kind. <laughs> you would think so. It should have been. Okay. Um. Anywho. Just to chime in, I worked at Books a Million. Of course you did. A, yeah, I was the barista there. It's a uh, <gasps> Barnes and Noble knockoff. I it remember. Was... That's where I went for all the midnight parties for the uh, Harry Potter releases. R.I.P. No. Harry Potter. Oh yeah. No, he's a fictional character, but <laughs> he's probably dead um, now. <laughs> oh, I okay. Um, David, who you got for twenty three? Um, <clears throat> he already did it. Oh, we're choosing. <laughs> okay, the ostriches <laughs> got it. Uh, two ostriches. Um, I'm. I gotta pick the bodyguard and. Ooh. Tanner, how strict are you being on rules tonight? <laughs> uh, not at all. Okay. Um, I guess probably Star Trek then. I think I like having uh, the cultural power of Star Trek being expressed on multiple podcasts um, in this section. I- I'm, I'm here for it. That's up to you, you know. Um, this is a platform for you to push your values <laughs> yeah i'm happy to <laughs> <laughs> and push your christian values <laughs> yeah um personally i'm absolutely taking the underground mall yes. um even though like we discussed that is not a film um, <laughs> but i'm picking it in hopes that it one day will be 
It's um, it's kind of like the secret. I don't know if you guys ever read the secret. (laughs) I didn't read it, but I. I watched Oprah's interview. If you wish to read the secret, then you read it. And (laughs) my other pick, I think it's got to be Carmen Jones. That was a a super dope recommendation. Um, I'm a big fan of musicals. I think that's a really cool one and something that we should be talking about more. I got to make a confession, Jenny, before you do your picks. I haven't seen The Bodyguard. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's okay. But but I'm still picking it. Whose DVD of The Bodyguard did I throw away? Oh, yeah. I think it was Josh's. <laughs> well, you threw it away? Because <laughs> the case was gone. Oh, it was just the CD. It was just the DVD. It was left in our DVD player. And we well, found let me it make a new case moved. for it. Bodyguard <laughs> is the best film of 1992. I believe that. David, you should watch The Bodyguard. I think you'll like it. I will. I'll watch The Bodyguard. Um, and I'll tell you all about it when we reconvene on our next podcast. I'll tell you about my thoughts on The Bodyguard. Yeah, please watch it before then. Okay. It's your assignment. Okay, Jenny, who you got? I am not picking The Bodyguard, but I do like that you chose it. I am picking The Wizard of Oz and Baps. Because I love Baps. Okay, this is a first in the history of Straight to Video, which is, you know, um, I know you're hoping for that because um, your actions brought it about. But <laughs> this is like really ap- appropriate because this movie was a first in so many categories, and this podcast is a first in that we all tied. You love to see it. You do. You love to see it. Um, we all won. Um, we <laughs> all selected perfect choices. You guys, um, all this really left to say is join us next week for Neil Brain's Double Down. <sighs> Ooh. Oh, my God. There's music in you. Bye.